Hello and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 39. A big welcome back to anyone who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. So this week's podcast, I get a chance to talk to and share stories and music with Sunshine or Sunny Powers. And Sunny and I met last year on New Year's Eve day when I was on the hates with my friend Gerilyn, who was really excited to introduce us to each other and uh, really glad she did. Uh, we finally got a chance to make this podcast, and I have to say it was well worth the wait. Uh, Sunny talks about, you know, she starts off with a relationship to San Francisco as a child and as, you know, a real integral part to the hate street. Um, and we talk about the importance of peace and love for her, the community, and really the world. Uh, we go into the Brent test that she puts her girls at Love on the Hate through and uh, get into some real unusually cool music selections and the reason behind them. We also get a chance to talk about uh, Taking It to the Streets, which is a nonprofit organization that Sunny is very involved with that supports uh, the future of San Francisco homeless youth. And they give opportunities for job skills, housing, and, you know, on and on. So really amazing stuff. Um, such a pleasure to know Sunny and uh, and get to share all of uh, the sparkles that she brings uh, with everyone who's enjoying the podcast. So, as always, I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Sunny, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Thank you. It's a beautiful day here in San Francisco. I hope you're having a beautiful day there too. It is a beautiful day. Spring is spring is uh, springing out here in New England. So it's uh, yeah, it's, we're we're finally seeing some green, which is uh, uh, which is everything, right? Yes, absolutely. Color and green and sunshine and sparkles. <laughs> Lots of sparkles. Lots of sparkles with you, Sunny. Well, I'm so excited to be doing this podcast because, you know, we met, you know, through our friend Gerilyn. Hey, Gerilyn. Um, <laughs> in December. And, uh, yeah, we've been, you know, trying to pull this together. So, yay for us getting it on. I'm glad it's finally happened. Me? Teamwork makes uh, the dream work, right? <laughs> <laughs> Without love and the dream, it'll never come true. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Sonny, uh, tell us. So, you know, we met at the store, but anyone who's listening, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't. Know, well, I'm going to have the information on the blog, but, you know, tell us a little bit about you. And I mean, because you're such a so significant to Hate Street and the scene and, and the people. And so tell everyone who's listening a little bit about you. Uh, my name is Sunshine Powers. Everyone calls me Sunny. I'm a native San, Francis San Franciscan. My parents still live in the same house I grew up in uh, over by Ocean Beach. They met in 1967 at the University of San Francisco. And Hate Street's really important to me because it's where I used to skip high school and go. It's where I smoked my first bowl. It's where I got my ticket for my first Grateful Dead show. It's where I met my first boyfriend. It's where I mourned the loss of Jerry. And, um, you know, after Jerry died, I really didn't come back to the street that much. I went off to Oregon to go to college, and I stayed there for like 10 years. And when I moved back, I still didn't come to Hate Street because it wasn't 
what I pictured it should be. And uh, about five years ago now, Ben and his brothers uh, bought the shop uh, on the corner of Hayden Masonic. It was positively Hate Street. They named it uh, Jammin' on Hate because Jammin's doing what you love and having a good time doing it. And within a year of working, I was named part owner of the shop, um, and I was running the shop. And in January, I had the uh, privilege to be able to buy the shop outright, and I got to change the name to Love on Hate for the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love, and I feel with everything we have going on in the world that we need a lot more love. Um, the most beautiful thing about it is that I got an angel investor, and instead of paying them back, I get to give all the money to the nonprofit homeless youth organization I am a part of on Hate Street, taking it to the streets, or tits, as we like to call it. <laughs> uh, so uh, the shop's going to get another 300 homeless kids off the street over the next five years. Wow. Um, and it's pretty magical. It's pretty magical to see the changes we've made to Hate. You know, uh, Ben and myself made it our mission to revitalize the street and to bring back the color, creativity, and consciousness that Hate Street is historically known for. Uh, what happened here 50 years ago changed who we are as a society and shaped who we are as a country. And um, I really feel like in celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love, it's not just about paying homage to the past, but also to acknowledge what we're doing on the hate today that's going to shape the next 50 years. That is so beautiful. And, you know, I mean, it's so great that we're here talking about it because, you know, we, I started this podcast about a year ago, and it, and it started as getting a conversation about the Grateful Dead and the Deadheads. And, and, and a lot of the original bent was nostalgia and the past and the shows that you went to. And honestly, just organically in the last, you know, 10, 11 months, it's really evolved into a, a lot of conversations about the future and about influences and about the 21st century Deadheads. I've had some super fun, you know, guests on that have been, you know, that were born after Jerry died. And so many people have listen to those podcasts so I mean it's it's so interesting how life is an evolution and you start with one thing which was you know looking backwards and you know and just what you said I feel it's so relevant to you know what this is organically turned into which is looking where we are now looking forward you know it's really um, about honoring the past but also about creating a better tomorrow Absolutely. I feel like it's our duty as members of this community no matter if it's the hate street or the dead community to create a better tomorrow, because that's kind of what the mission was is all about. Oh, I totally agree. And I feel like there's been a bit of a renaissance, you know, I mean, just in everything that you're talking about. I mean, I think that, you know, love and kindness and this spirituality has endured for more than 50 years. But I feel like, in, you know, really in the last couple of years and, and there's more and more and more momentum, I feel like there's um, almost like a third wave going on right now. Do you, do you feel that? Um. I feel like there is a huge new wave of peace and kindness, especially with the whole political storm that we have going on. It is, I think, intrinsic that everyone is just moving back to that route, right? Because you can either take this one road where it's scary or you can fall back into the love road and you know that no matter what that at least you feel good about what you're doing because you're doing it with love and kindness 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, you got to love, you know, a community of people whose motto is, is what I want to know is, is are you kind, right? That's, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, like, that is that is the mission statement is, are you kind, you know, and then everything <laughs> else kind of flows from there. So um, absolutely. I actually tweeted that recently with a, a group. And I think this tweet got like, 50 likes and 30 retweets or something crazy like that, you know, and that was just oh, the observation wow. was, you know, gotta love a community that that's the motto. And, uh, and then it was so cool that it got, you know, so embraced out there, you know, in our cyber world that we live in. So, so fun. You'll often hear me say today that peace and love used to be a hippie thing and now it's just a human thing. Yeah, as it should be, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. so let's uh, let's get into some of the music because, you know, I mean, it's the, All right. it's the love, it's the dream, and it's the music. And, and I got to say, yeah. you picked such a just really cool, and it <laughs> took me off my toes. It took me a week to research and figure it out. You did not, not being the average girl, you did not give me the average set. So, um, well, you know, I kind of like to shake it up a little bit. <laughs> you did shake it up, girl. You did shake it up. You gave me a list that I had to like write down, look at, you know, look at two or three times and uh, tackle. But I got it all. So I'm, I'm already, okay. Yay. Yay. I'm already feeling very, uh, yeah, very triumphant on getting all of this uh, groovy music that you picked out. So, um, awesome. So the first song, I want to hear a little bit about, yeah, I'm like dying to know the reason behind this like very cool, groovy, eclectic mix. So the first song okay, that absolutely. we're going to get into is The Grateful Dead playing Dear Mr. Fantasy and Hey Jude from Hampton in October 1989. So tell me a little bit about yeah. where that speaks to you. Um, well, you know, I train the next generation at the shop. I have a lot of young girls uh, and men that work for me, mostly girls at this current time. Uh, and, you know, they're of the ages from 19 to 25. And a lot of them don't know who the Grateful Dead is. You know, and I have to teach them. I give them tests. I get this whole <laughs> long process. And the first lesson we have is the Brent lesson. Because we have to learn about Brent. I really like them to be able to know who's singing. And I feel once they start to, he's got such a, um, you know, a voice that is so Brent that it's just, you know, so classically him that I feel like if they can pick his voice out, it really starts to make it easier for them to pick all the other voices out of the members of the band. So this is the first show that we play for our Brent lesson. And, you know, how you can really start to hear Brent's voice. And, uh, you know, I've got one girl that's been working for me for four years, and now she teaches Brent lessons. <laughs> and she knows she knows every word to all the songs. Uh, you know, her first Dead show was uh, that quote-unquote free Dead & Company show at the Fillmore. Uh, so <laughs> she lives a, a little bit of a uh, can you believe that this, girl who had no idea who the Grateful Dead was now gets to, you know, go to all these awesome shows, is on the corner, you know, when uh, we had Zane Kesey and the bus come and hang out on the end of the corner, she read all these books about it so she could learn about it and tell everyone about it. And it's just really, you know, this is kind of the show that I 
first teach people about the Grateful Dead. And I, I think that's why it's so important to me. Oh, that is such a cool story. So, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, again, I've been, I've been Pete and I know nothing. So I'm excited to hear the stories with all the listeners all at the same time. And, you know, it's funny. I'm going to interject a quick personal story that we're going to go in and hear it. And I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've got, you know, a couple kids and my daughter and I will play the game, you know, somewhat reluctantly at times, but she knows it makes me happy where I'll play songs and have her pick who's singing. And she's got yeah. the Jerry and the Bob down pretty good. You know, I'll kind of mix it up so it's not every other one. And when yeah. Red came on, she was like, gave me this look, like, it's not Jerry and it's not Bob, but like, what the fuck, Mom? Yeah. You know? And I'm like, it's Brent. So my daughter's got to enroll in your Brent class because, you know, she's only in yeah. first grade, but um, but she needs she needs <laughs> all of, she's only seven, but, you know, she needs all of the, uh, she needs her tutorial because the Brent is definitely what threw her off. So it's so funny. Well, and you can also, you know, start to, once you acknowledge, you know, if he's in it, you can acknowledge what year it's in you know you can start you know really figuring that out and I'm really trying to get the girls good on that I, I feel bad they have a seven page test they have to put up with but you know it's part of the ball game that is so awesome yeah that is so fun yeah then you got to throw and you got to do, do like jack straw early days like the ones where they're all trading um trading verses oh yeah those ones are really fun for yeah. people too because you're like who is it and they're like I don't know. It's like four people, right? You know, three people. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's like you know the second month we really start. Yeah, that in. We spend a we spend a good week on Brent. Very cool. Yeah. No, I totally fucked with my daughter with Jack Strong. She was not happy with it. She's got a she's got a ways to go. Well, right on. Well, let's go in and hear it. So um, I am going to okay, play awesome. for everybody. Um, Dear Mr. Fantasy and Hey Jude, and this is from October 9th, 1989. So everybody gets to uh, hear the Brant test, and then we're going to come back and go a little down the road with some of your other very cool picks. So everybody enjoy. Awesome. Magical.
Well, back from listening to Dear Mr. Fantasy and Hey Jude, and um, love me some Bran. I mean, '89, man, that that was uh, that was that was the peak. Uh, yeah, that's why you've got to start the Bran lessons there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was so. I mean, just so beautiful and so um, so haunting at that time too. You know, I mean, he was just. I don't know. I, I, I'm like filled with like love and sadness all at the same time when I hear him in that last year or two because it was just you know so beautifully tragic. Yeah, it's definitely um, definitely someone uh, that was taken too soon. There seems to be a lot of them in the great set. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, so let's go into the next picks. This is one that I had to hunt down on YouTube. This is uh, this was one of my uh, one of my ones that didn't have the uh, the checkbox immediately on it. So you, picked, okay. yeah, no, but I'm stoked to hear it, stoked to share it, and it's super fun to have like different <laughs> stuff for everyone. So the next yeah. pick is a, a little New Year's Eve number, uh, hard to handle. So tell me a little bit about why this one's in the rotation. Um, the first time I heard Hard to Handle Live, it, like, stopped me in my tracks. I was like, oh, this is a dirty good song. I really like this one a lot. And uh, then, you know, I was looking up uh, Tower of Power and all that stuff, and then this one just popped up, and it was, like, Etta James and the Grateful Dead singing Hard to Handle. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll say it a different time throughout this conversation, but when music gets dirty, it just gets really good. Like, ugh, that's dirty. And I really feel like this is just one of those dirty songs. Not in, like, a dirty way, but, like, a grr. It makes you, like, growl a lot and, like, ugh. And I, I just feel like Etta James singing Hard to Handle with the Boys is a little too disgusting, but it's so awesome. Absolutely. Very, very raw and um, I was—I had never heard it before. So I mean, that's one thing that's really fun about you know talking to different people and, and, and hearing their songs is getting a chance to um, discover new things every time, you know. And it's not one of those like popular New Year's Eve shows. Like I've, you know, I really had to—I randomly found this. Mm-hmm. But after I did, anyone I played it for, they were like, "Holy Kalido, this is awesome!" I'm like, "I know." Can you believe that this existed? I had no idea. Wow. You know, and um, Etta, you know, Etta James is just, Etta James, you know, she is in her right. That's just what a strong woman is, you know, or should be. She's just like, grr. This whole song is just grr. I, I really like it. No, absolutely. I mean, and she really leads it, you know, when I was listening to it. I mean, the Grateful Dead are, like, backing it up, but it's, I mean, it's her, right? It's like she is, yeah. you know, she's commanding this performance, and it's uh, it's pretty fucking awesome. I, I, I just love it. Well, let's play it. Because I bet everybody is now like salivating to hear it. So, uh, so let's, <laughs> let's not hold anyone off any further. So, listeners, we are going to listen to the down and dirty, guttural, raw, hard to handle, uh, Grateful Dead with Eva James on New Year's Eve, uh, December 31st, 1982. So, everybody uh, have a listen, and then we'll be back. Oh, 
hard to hurl like this around. Action to speak loudly words, and I'm a girl of a mini spirit. No, you got you another one. I can love you better than they can. Come with me, take me by the hand, let me show you what I can do. Hey, I got some love in there, saving it just for you.
Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll say again, thank the Grateful Dead. Right. Cats working tonight, right? Back from listening to the raw and awesome Etta James with the Grateful Dead. And, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I hope everybody enjoyed it. And it was a first time for me. Yeah, thank you for bringing that to the table. Not a problem. I always in, I always enjoy listening to that one just one just one more time. Perfect. <laughs> so let's, uh, you know, again, I got this awesome list, and I want to hear, you know, just more about your your thoughts behind them. The next the next pick that I chose was another one of those down the rabbit holes, and uh, I had never heard of it before. And um, tell us a little bit about the next one. Uh, the Legion of Mary, leave your hat on. You got it. Uh, okay, so for me, my favorite Jerry music is Legion of Mary. Just like the whole Etta James thing, it's when Jerry gets dirty. Like, uh, like, whoo. And here in Merle, seeing the whole, like, leave your hat on, if I was to seduce a man, I would totally put that song on and be like, hey, just sit there. I'm going to leave my hat on. Woo! And um, it's just really, I really enjoy uh, playing the Legion of Mary and the Jerry Garcia band and the dead and kind of switching it up to all the girls as I teach them about the music at the shop too, because it's a chance for them to really see how musicians can, you know, morph over time or how when they're put with a different, you know, kind of feeling, how much it can just really expand and for me legion of mary's just got this soul that makes me feel like uh, like when they do like a good like cat like catfish john or something like that it just makes me feel like a glass of sweet tea melting ice cubes in a hot summer day like oh this is so awesome and it really just has that way to take to take me away and take away my problems. Um, I think throughout this conversation, I'll go back to saying that music is church. And for me, Legion of Mary is really, really good church. Absolutely. No, it is. I think, uh, I mean, I really believe in life, you know, music and laughter ails all things, you know, like there's, those are like the two things that you can come back to. I mean, you know, whatever is happening, if I can, you know, if I can have some laughter and listen to some good music, it you know just will it'll ease whatever the situation is. This is the the, the common, you know, soul grounding church. To your point, like it all comes down to those two things for me. And and it transcends between each person. You know, you don't have to understand the same language. The beat is still the beat. You know, and it just kind of carries on throughout everything. Absolutely. And all the, yeah, again, and all the different generations and all the different, I mean, influences. Again, this song, you know, I love, this is something that we've been talking about with some different people. I mean, with all of the different incarnations and iterations of the band and the Dead and Company playing and, and you know, all of these other amazing bands, you know, Joe Russo and you know, Dark Star Orchestra and, and, you know, going up to Terrapin and, and hearing, you know, Stu Allen and Scott Guberman and on and on and on, like all of these great musicians, 
they people will say, oh, you're going to go see a dead cover band. And, and I always get kind of bummed about that because, you know, it's a musician that's playing amazing catalog of music. And things like the last two songs that you've picked, I mean, those are not Grateful Dead catalog songs. That's the Grateful Dead playing from, you know, the great American music book. And it's yeah. just this great, they were everything, and, and the bands that are playing now are influenced by them who were influenced by other things. And I, I just love the wholeness of it all. Um, I, I just really, I really like how you can hear one song played by so many different people and each person's take on it. And I really love how the Grateful that has expanded and how many versions and how much music it has inspired and being in the Bay Area, it's such a gift to be able to be surrounded by, you know, this really awesome music that makes you feel whole again. There was, a, you know, after Jerry died, it took, it took me a good five, six years for me to really be able to listen to the music again. And it was hard. Uh, and I think a lot of people went through that. And I remember when Phil started playing with Warren and uh, Jimmy Heron and John Molo and Rob Barocco, and they came out with that new album there and back. And I was just so happy that they kept the evolution going. Absolutely. You know, because I really feel like that was, that's what it's about. No, I, I I agree, and just, ugh, I mean, I miss the barriers so much. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody about it recently, and they're like, you know, about there and here and living in New England versus the Bay Area, and I'm like, well, you know, of course I miss my family, and I miss some friends, and I miss the weather, and I miss the food, but I, I just miss that accessibility to going and hearing the music, you know, just the people and the accessibility of it all, and it's it's so... I mean, it's so special. It's really, I mean, I think New York City offers a lot too, but the Bay Area, I mean, San Francisco, I mean, that's, that's, that's the home. That's the, you know, it's, it's really. It really is. And to see what uh, Phil Ash has done with Terrapin Crossroads, it, it took me two times, like the second time going there, I was like, I get it. Like he's leaving this for his kids, for the next generation. This is a place that, the next generation's going to come and create magical music and honor the history of the music and the fact that he gets out there and does story time with the kids on Sundays and plays bocce ball. It, it's just, um, for me, it keeps in what the whole ideal of the Bay Area is. It's about really honoring the magical things that happened here and really making sure that they continue to happen in the future. Oh, I totally agree, and I'm extremely homesick at this moment. <laughs> when I, well, I've come to Marin, I've actually stayed, when I've come to the Bay Area recently, I've actually stayed in Marin a couple times just to, to be able to go out to Terrapin and to the Sweetwater. And um, when I was over home over Christmas and I was staying there, um, my girlfriend came out, you know, and she checked out my little my little pad for the night, and she's like, oh, my God, it, it feels like you ran away from home. Like, this is your new apartment, you know, <laughs> in Penn It was like this little studio, you know, whatever, hotel room. And I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I could, I mean, I, again, I love my family and my life, but I could, 
could just taste, you know, just like living in this little hole in San Rafael and just getting to go out and, you know, be there on the mountain and hear all the music. And um, now it's, it's, it's really special. There's no place like it, you know. No, 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 there's not. It's totally got me hooked. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the good thing is you can visit. So, uh, yes. That is the good thing. Well, I'm going to go in and play this. So we are going to be playing. It's going to be on April 9th, 1975. And this is the Leave Your Hat On from the Legion of Mary. Absolutely. Enjoy. And then we'll be back.
now returning from listening to that. And I have to say, we have just had, uh, while the music was uh, going on for you, fine listeners, just this, like, really beautiful conversation about, you know, Sonny, what you're doing out there at the Hayden and, and your feelings. And, and you know, I, I'm, I wanted you to share some of the things that you had just talked about because, you know, in the beginning you talked, you know, about the nonprofit and what you're working for, but just the um, – you know, just the, your action between, you know, behind, you know, peace and freedom and the future. I mean, getting the kids off the street and the hate. Yeah. Tell everyone a little bit about, you know, a little bit more about that, like you just told me. Well, taking it to the streets tips is a nonprofit homeless youth organization on the hate. And we've gotten 200 homeless kids off the street in the last two years. Um, hate street has a homeless youth problem. We currently have about 600 homeless youth in about a seven by three block area with Golden Gate Park too. Um, There has always been this romantic lore of hate street and the youth being able to flock here. And, um, you know, if it's my mission to revitalize the street, part of it is dealing with the homeless population that we have. About 70% of our homeless population are LBGT. Um, they are, you know, their parents don't understand them or they can't understand their parents or they're not able to, you know, be who they want to be. And I think, you know, that's another reason why people come to San Francisco because it has this lure to be able to be whoever you want to be and you're accepted because that's what San Francisco is. Um, But we have a homeless problem in San Francisco in general. You know, we have a serious issue of homelessness and it's not okay. And for years I've tried to deal with it when we first took over the shop. There was about 40 homeless kids outside of the shop drinking and doing drugs. The old owner of the shop used to block off the side windows with these huge tapestries so that him and his customers wouldn't have to see what was going on outside. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. And um, it was hard for me to see at first because that's not what I want for my community. That's not what I want for my business. That's not what I want for this corner that shaped who I am. And it took... um, a long time and a lot of glitter to get the corner clear. Uh, but one of the things that really helped shape it was that I got, I've, I've been uh, assaulted a couple times being on the corner trying to get my corner clean and I got really violently assaulted this one time. And it kind of knocked the sense into me that, you know, even if I want this problem to go away, where's it going to go? Like, it's not me just telling these people to get off my corner isn't fixing the problem. It's just moving them to a different corner, and they're going to come back because we're not solving the problem. That We actually have to look at what we've been doing and acknowledge that it doesn't work. And that, you know, change comes from within. So then I have to look at myself and see what do I need to change about my approach because I needed to change my approach. And at the same time, Christian was starting taking it to the streets, And um, I immediately wanted to become a part of it because it just felt like something that I needed to do. It felt right. And it really changed my perspective because instead of these kids 
it being us against them, it's now we're joining forces and making our community better. You know, we give them shelter, uh, food, job training. We help them with their addiction issues, and we make sure that they're getting counseling. And in exchange, they keep our community clean. They man the public toilets and showers that we've brought in. They keep our streets clean. They do graffiti abatement. And it's given them a pride in the community, and it's really taught me a lot about the homeless issues that we have, and it's really made me acknowledge that we're not going to solve any of these issues unless we also deal with mental disease and addiction at the same time because they're all correlated, and that, you know, if people don't have a house, they can't deal with any of their issues. Um, I just started another nonprofit, the Council of Love, and we're trying to uh, raise money for taking it to the streets and like the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic and Walden House and all these awesome Haight Street nonprofits and put on community events that encourage love and kindness. But also our goal is to try to eradicate homelessness. You know, we have goals of... In 2037, not having any more youth homelessness. By 2047, not having any reoccurring homelessness. And I realize that homelessness might not end in my lifetime, but I also feel that if we really teach these kids how to create a better tomorrow, that they can do that, that they can find a way to solve these issues. Because it really, it needs to happen I guess my biggest shift in mind is that instead of me saying it's this person's fault for being homeless, I changed it to it's my community's fault that this person is homeless. And we as a community need to take care of all of our members. And just because someone's homeless, that doesn't mean they're not part of my community. It, it, It means, if anything, that, you know, it takes a village and it's not, just one person's fault that this that they're that they are homeless it's all of our fault and we need to band together and make sure that we all get the basic needs of food water and shelter you know because those are basic human needs that everyone deserves absolutely no i am i know that's really really beautiful and and and, and hate street is I mean, yeah, you have an area that is that welcomes all, and then you get all, and you get, you know, you get all different, you know, people coming for all different reasons, and I think just really, you know, looking at everyone, you know, human, person by person, and where they are, and where they're coming from, and why they are where they are, and helping them is, um, I mean, it's really what it's all about, and for you to be, you know, on the streets working with person to person, I mean, I think it's amazing. So many people complain, but so few people come up with solutions, you know, I mean, from communities to government, to the whole, like, not in my backyard mentality, and, you know, you're identifying this is your yard, and let's, you know, how do we... How do we, rather than eradicate, how do we make it better and and put the people in my yard in a better place, you know, put them to work making the yard more beautiful, (laughs) you know, like they're in your yard, so let's have them plant some flowers and, you know, give them a glass of lemonade and and make it work for you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just, it's the whole teamwork makes the dream work mentality. And if we're, you know, the hate, shaped so many things 50 years ago when you look at like the free medical clinics and Huckleberry House, the runaway house. 
and Hamilton Family Center that changed the way that family centers worked and all the really awesome community social evolutions that happened 50 years ago that shaped who we are as a society, why not have this shift happen here? Because if there's a place that can make it happen, it's the hate. And with the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love coming up or here, and we're expecting 100,000 people to come wow. to San Francisco for this event, you know, we need to have the proper structure to, because you know we're going to get a whole nother batch of homeless youth coming with those 100,000 people. We need to have a way for these kids to have a place to go to the bathroom, to sleep, to eat, you know? And what if we can get these kids in and have give them inspiration and education to come back and really make a difference? What if we create a better tomorrow? I mean, I would really like that because I don't have any kids and no one's taking care of me when I'm old. So I really got to set this up in a way that's like I'm okay when I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think uh, I I, I feel like you are no doubtedly uh, the caretaker of many um, in an emotional and financial with with your store and everything. So uh, I think uh, I think there'll be uh, lots of love. But I think what you're what you're spreading is amazing absolutely well taking care of your community makes you happy like in a way I never thought possible I didn't think I could be just happy even when everything was not going okay but when you're doing good things it makes you feel really good and really magical things happen too like I this angel investor that I got that wouldn't have been possible if I wasn't helping these kids you know, and to be have the opportunity to employ like ten young women and help them, be, and then with that also help get all these homeless kids off of the street. It, you know, I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I wasn't already doing good. Oh, I agree. And what I love from what you're saying, though, is the opportunity that you got with the angel investment, the opportunity of these people is you're breeding opportunity for more opportunity for others. You know, I mean, you're not speaking of an opportunity that's self-serving for yourself. You're talking about, you know, an opportunity to continuously pay it forward. And um, there should be forward movement with that you know like you're not saying like oh, without this I wouldn't have been able to get some again some self-serving materialistic individual thing I mean you're you know you're looking for support so that you can continue to support others and positivity breeds positivity so that's you know it really does yeah what you're looking for is uh is is the opposite of self-serving and it's awesome well, let's, yes. uh, let's get back Thank to, you. I wanted to hear about it because you, you were chatting about it. And I was like, oh, this is good stuff. I want everyone to know what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're going to go back pre, um, their next song on the list actually predates Summer of Love and really is like, you know, just really the early days kicking off everything, um, you know, what leads us to this day. And that is uh, 1963 in Palo Alto at the Tangent. So tell me a little yeah. bit about your next music pick that we'll get into. Um, it's Sarah and Jerry Garcia, like a week after they got married. 
um, at the tangent in Palo Alto. You can like hear the cars go by, I believe. And like some of, uh, it's a pretty good set list if you can listen to the whole thing. Uh, and it was my first grateful or my first tape that I got. Like really? this was, this was my first tape. I was super, I got it in like 92, 93. It was my first tape. And I went and I played it for my dad. And my dad said, oh, that's Sarah. And he knew her last name right off the bat. And he was like, yeah, she was one of my clients back in the day. She was like one of my first clients. She helped give birth to your sister or something like that. I was like, really? So it's, um, and then the Long Black Veil, you know, that's just a song that really I like to listen to. Um, I used to live in the Tenderloin for six years, which was um, intense. You know, to be able to live on Ashbury now, it's just a gift. Um, I, I, I definitely, the, I, the tender one, I don't know if you've been there in San Francisco, oh, but uh, yeah, it, it doesn't smell very good. And, um, I used to just listen to this whole set list and walk up and down the hills of Knob Hill. And I used to write about living in the tenderloin and I wrote, um, a blog, like, uh, she walks these hills in her long princess dress, and it was all kind of to the lyrics of uh, The Long Black Veil. And it's just been a song that just, I feel like if I listen to it when I'm walking, the wind picks me up in just the right way and kind of helps me walk along the hills a little bit better. Wow. Well, I think... uh you know, we took a little bit of a, a side road in the conversation yet, you know, with all things, really, your next song plays right into our topic, right? <laughs> and there you yeah. go, full circle, <laughs> without without <laughs> there being any intentions, listeners, on that. We talked about, uh, you know, you know, what your, your, yeah, your involvement with the people in the streets and, uh, and what you're doing. And, and here we are with the, uh, wind beneath your veil. So, uh, let's go in and hear this, this little tune from the tangent in Palo Alto, 1963. And then we'll be back with uh, a couple more songs and, uh, a couple more stories. We had a request, or at least I did, or both of us did actually, but it sort of came to me indirectly. I had a request this after this last set to do a song called Long Black Veil, which is a uh, modern country song. And uh, but but it's pretty anyway. Even at that, it's not even a folk song or anything. It's just a song. It's, somebody wrote it, and, and it's, it's on records and with electric guitars and everything. But anyway, it's a good song. It's called The Long Black Veil. Everybody have that now? This is called tuning. There was some 
to Long Black Veil, and uh, we've got a couple more songs, and uh, I want you to tell everyone about the, the, the shortest band selection. So the next is a little Jerry Garcia number from uh, Cats Under the Stars. So tell us a little bit about the next pick. Uh, so the next two picks are related because uh, I, have, um, I have a huge record collection. I, I still have a big tape collection, which I don't really, you know, play that much. I've got a good 900 tapes. I love them. I caress them and dust and dust them. They're magical. Um, <laughs> and I, I have about 800 records. And uh, what happened was my, uh, I was cleaning out my dad's office basement with him. And I, he had all these boxes that were covered and I started opening them up and there were all these records like the Grateful Dead, Rolling Stones, George Duke, Donnie Hathaway, you know, Prince. I was just like, what is going on? Well, I was like, where did all these records come from? He's like, I bought them for like 200 bucks, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And I was like, but dad, these are like a lot of records. And he's like, but you don't have a record player. And I was like, I will get 
a record player. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? He's like, you live in a studio. I was like, I don't, I don't care. And I hauled all the records up to my tenderloin place. And I probably went for like six months because I was really broke at the time, not, not getting a record player. And one day I was just having a really, really, really bad day. And I took all my money and I talked this, you know, one of those like massive stereo shops on Market Street that has just way too much stereo equipment. I totally talked him down to like, I'm pretty sure below what he paid for it. I was just like really grr. And I got the floor <laughs> model and uh, I took uh I took the, I had another job I had to go to because it's when I had like eight jobs. You know, when you first moved to the city, you got to work to make it work. And um, I put on a a Donny Hathaway album and I heard this song, you know, uh, the Magnificent Sanctuary Band was like the first song that I heard. And uh, then that night when I was doing some trim work, I heard Jerry do this song. And it was just one of those songs with everything. And I think it really kind of brings together what we've been, what I've been talking about with homelessness and everything like that. The whole idea of taking care of each other, of holding someone's hand, of just joining this band. Like, okay, music is church, right? Like, this is such church music. And when I heard Jerry sing it, I was I'm so glad that y'all and it just proves that you can take like so many different genres and have a song carry out throughout all of them you know it really uh, but with the message still being the same you know and it's uh, it's just about taking everyone by the hand and joining this magnificent sanctuary band you know and that if we do it together you know we'll find the the promised land you know and it's just you know it's uh i think there's so many songs that have the same message and i i just really like this one it really makes me happy to listen to i love to blast it on hate street uh i have another shop on hate street and i have these really good speakers right by the windows and i really just like to blast music like this out on hate street (laughs) and just sit upstairs and listen to the song play and see it as people walk by and just like how it can shift their mood for the day Right, it can yeah. just all of a sudden make them smile. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's everything. Making someone smile, it can turn turn around their day, which can turn around their week, which can turn around their life. You know, sometimes you just need you just need that that turn of a corner to change to change everything. Yeah. Well, let's play that, and then uh, you know, actually, you know what I want to do? I'm gonna freelance a little bit. I'm gonna play the next two songs because I feel like. You know, we just kind of touched on the next two songs, and then we will come back and say goodbye. So, you know, the I Believe in Music and the Magnificent Sanctuary Band. Should we should we roll into them both, and then and then yeah, come back? Uh, yeah, I Believe in Music. I Believe in Love is my favorite song, and it makes me feel tingly every time I hear it. 
<laughs> well, I again, I feel like there's a, I feel like the the two songs, you know, in the story, I feel like they're they're holding hands, right? So yeah, let's let's play them in um, in sequence with one another, and then uh, and then we'll come back and uh, and we'll we'll do a little goodbye. Awesome. Okay.
throughout all the lands unto all the inhabitants thereof. Yeah. 
Well, we are back from the final of the music selections, which were just, I mean, they're so special and so fun. And honestly, Sunny really had me on my toes. <laughs> Definitely a, not not your average girl, right? No, not at all, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, yeah, that uh, that I got. And I mean that in, um, in, the, in the most, in the most complimentary way I can possibly convey. So... Sparkles and beauty come from you. Oh, thank you very much. It I am a reflection. That's what's great about the sparkles. I get to reflect a lot. Yeah. Now I uh, now I uh, again I remember seeing your dad and you know, when I first met you on Hate Street at Christmas time. It was uh, it was on New Year's Eve day and you were you were running. You had so much going on and we still you know had a couple of minutes to like you know say hello and take the time and connect. And I think you had 72 things going on all in the span of like the three minutes that we met and uh, still connected. And, and that's really cool. Yeah. That sounds like me having a little bit too much stuff going on for my own good. <laughs> well, it was new. Yeah. It was New Year's Eve day. It was December 31st of, you know, just this past year. So yeah. you, uh, things were hopping. Things were hopping that day. It was a big day. Yeah. And I think my family was in town, which always keeps me extra. Um, our, my parents live here, but my sisters and my relatives all come in for the holiday season and it can be, we got a big family. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was a, a there was a beehive of activity happening at the store and right outside the door. But, uh, yeah. but again, all that being said, we, uh, you know, I'm, I, uh, we were able to connect and, uh, and, and that, that really, that really means a lot and shows a lot, you know, cause again, it wasn't I, like you were sitting on your ass behind a stool chewing gum by any stretch, you know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm very blessed that we got the opportunity to meet as, uh, as uh, well. Well, so for everyone listening, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, what you have going on. Do you have any, you know, links, anything for people to check out um, so that they can be involved? Um, I'm going to put this all on the website, but for anyone who is just listening, um, where can we find more information? Uh, you can find almost all information on the Love on Hate web uh, web uh, site, which is love on hate h a i g h t s f dot com. So that's love on hate s f dot com. And just remember to spell hate right because that can confuse people. And uh, the taking it to the streets website, which we always love donations. If we had more money, there are five empty SROs here in San Francisco that we could rent out and house uh, probably about 600 more people. Um, and the Taking It to the Streets website is takingittothestreetssf.org. And, um, you know, I really encourage people to, if anything, just look at the community that's right in front of them. And I've been really working on this thing, like love is the answer and really trying to deal with all my issues and problems from a loved base like intention and it's really a helped me resolve a lot of issues but also has helped me feel better even if I'm not able to resolve an issue and to really just put more love out there because with everything we have going on in the world we need more peace we need more love we need more rainbows we need more sparkles and we need more kindness 
Well, amen, sister. Amen. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, I'm just, I'm so glad we were able to do this because you, you, you're so busy and we've been kind of round robining around it and, um, and this is really special and I'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy hearing um, everything that you had to share and of course all the amazing music that you picked out because, you know, a lot, the, the music, the music heals it all. Yes, it does. It is church. It is church. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us at church this uh, this uh, podcast day, and uh, and uh, we will catch you in a couple weeks. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.